0: Welcome to the Pin Down, your Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Wes Davenport from Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys.
1: And I'm Blake Silverman, writer for Detroit Bad Boys and reporter of the G League and WNBA. And Wes, we have some big things to talk about this week. We have a trade as well as a win to talk about. So, how are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling good. I mean, The the biggest win, though, of this past week is the Detroit Lions uh, winning a home playoff game at Port Field. First time in our lifetimes that that's even happened, right? Not only that they hosted it, that they, they go on and win. So, you know, I want a quick shout out to my dad. He drove up all the way from Chicago just so that we could watch the game. Drove through a blizzard, man. It's been a blizzard over here in Grand Rapids since about last Friday. It's been nonstop. But he braves the weather. He gets up here and they do win awesome moment go lions
1: wow yeah shout out to your dad that i mean that has to be had to be a great moment um but yeah it almost feels like surreal like now that just because we've talked Mm -hmm. about they haven't won a playoff game in our lifetimes or however many years it's been and now that it's actually happened i'm just like like it hasn't really hit me yet so hopefully they keep it going um and that was a great game as well couldn't ask for any better storylines a better game so yeah all all is good in the football world at least
0: yeah and and look i don't even care what happens next i don't care what <laughs> happens next they could lose to the buccaneers i don't no, care no they need to they go one it all left. like I'm, why I'm not happy.
1: why not we're ah. we're here <laughs>
0: of course i'm rooting for it but i'm just i'm happy now i'm happy no matter what house money it's great but talking about wins right the pistons did get a win uh this this past week since we've been talking on the podcast here wanted to go through quickly just the last three games that they've played so they lost to the rockets 112 to 110 they beat the wizards uh, 129 to 117 and then they did lose to the Wolves just the other night, one twenty-four to one seventeen. Uh, Blake, there are probably a couple of storylines that we could take out of this one. Um, I, I think the easiest one that you know we can hit on right off the bat is how about Jaden Ivey, man?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the biggest one. And I, I think since those three games that we mentioned uh, was the now it might be in, infamous Monty Williams post-game press conference quote where. He mentioned uh, that there was like an organizational meeting asking him about how he was using Ivy, why he wasn't getting more on ball reps. And Monty Williams just was like, yeah, I have to eat that. I haven't done it. And he said it was the one thing he didn't try. Um, <clears throat> and then we did see more reps with Ivy on the ball. And like the one thing that has stuck out to me with his play, and I feel like it really stuck out against Minnesota, which ended up as a loss. but it was competitive is I feel like he's much more confident or like sure of himself. I know we've talked about that a bit, like as a step he has been taking and should take in year two, but I just feel like that decision making is getting better and better. Although there are times where he drives and doesn't really know what he's doing and maybe it ends up in a turnover errant pass. Like I feel like for the most part, his decision-making and confidence has really stuck out to me.
0: I agree. I agree. That was going to be my main main takeaway from it too. So let, let's look at just the last three games, right? Against the Rockets, he puts up 18 points, eight assists, seven rebounds. Washington, 24 points, six assists, seven rebounds. And then Minnesota, 32 points, which tied a career high, six assists, four rebounds. And you're right. You know, it's not just that he's getting the ball more, He is, it's not as much as you would think. Uh, I think if we go back and track it, he's really not getting that many more touches. But what he is doing is he's being a lot more decisive, right? So if you look at it, his his usage rate went up. Usage rate functionally is just a possession ender stat, okay? So all that means is Jaden Ivey is now ending possessions far more frequently when he's out on the court than he was previously. So I don't know if you want to call that just Cade being out and then him taking more of the baton. If maybe this is coaching where Monty Williams is trying to prioritize getting Jaden Ivey the ball more so that he can make these decisions. But whatever the reason, it's sustainable even when Cade gets back because he's not doing anything. You know, he's he I would say he's probably increased by like 10% the amount of touches he's probably getting just on a, on like a rough estimate, okay? So because he's being so decisive, when Cade comes back and healthy, which hopefully, fingers crossed, is going to be pretty soon, you just take that 10% back away from him, but you tell him to keep attacking like he is. Like, th- this should be repeatable. It looks very repeatable to me. Am I wrong?
1: No, I, I think you're right, too. And I mean, yeah, I think it'll be interesting when Cade is back to see what happens, but I think there's still... Like you, you would be doing a disservice to the team as well as like Cade and Ivy if you don't play them together, um, at like a decent minute volume. Both of them are available, but at the same time, like if Ivy's usage is going down drastically just because of the return of Cade Cunningham, maybe there is something you can do with staggering. Um, like that's what I thought the idea was when Ivy came off the bench to start the season. Stagger him in with the ones. When all the ones go off, leave them in a bit to run the second unit. So maybe you can go back to that idea. Um, but still, I, I think you need to play them both together and at least see what happens. And I mean, hopefully the production is still there for Ivy. All the defensive attention that Cade garners will definitely help with that as well, I think.
0: Right. Well, you know, you look at playing them together, right? And uh, Cade doesn't need the ball 100% of the time. In fact, most of us fans have been kind of clamoring for him to not have the ball 100% of the time. You could actually go back to, uh, I think we talked about it after that New York Knicks game where Cade played off ball almost the entirety of the first quarter and Killian Hayes was giving him just some very basic passes Because Cade suddenly is open on these back putts and everyone's freaking out, like, wow, this looks so great. Jaden Ivey can make that read. It's a very basic read. Jaden Ivey is showing you right now, based on his assist numbers, that, yeah, I can make these basic reads. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's, you know, seeing three levels ahead as a playmaker, but he can see what's in front of him. And most of the time, you know, he's still ironing out some kinks there. His turnovers need to be worked on, but. Most of the time, he's making the right decision out of it. So you could play Cade off of Ivy in this way, right? Just like we saw with Killian earlier in the year against the Knicks, you could do that with Ivy when Cade comes back healthy. And at the same time, you you look at all of Ivy's touches right now. It's not just straight pick and roll, right? They're running him off handoffs, they're pulling him off curls off the ball on off ball screens, which we talked about recently. They're they're doing all this more creative stuff to get him downhill and to play read and react basketball and he's excelling at it right now so i'm really looking forward to to kind of seeing it all mesh back together when kate comes back and healthy because you know you, you just take maybe four or five pick and roll reps out of it out of uh, ivy's appetite and put it back to kate and everything else stays the same Like you should it's still going to be the same jade and ivy
1: yeah i mean really i think like the biggest thing for me is decision making like his rookie season. And I mean, it still happens now, like he'll be getting downhill and just not know where he's going or just like moving quicker than he's like making decisions. And I think that has improved drastically. So if that continues to happen, he continues to do what we have seen, like it, it should work in theory. And especially after what Monty Williams said, like it's uh priority or he just has to get Jaden on the ball more like we're gonna have to see it when when Kate is back like if we don't there isn't really an excuse for that.
0: You know what he's uh, he's really figured out Jaden Ivy. that is um, you know with, with the decision making he's really figured out that that change of speed change of pace dribble uh, mm-hmm. either snake in a ball screen or just even in isolation or in transition the way he can go from you know, zero to 100, back to 60, and then explode all the way back up is honestly pretty insane. It's gotten him to the free throw line a lot here over this three-game stretch. And again, all that is sustainable stuff. It's all stuff he's he's kind of been doing all year, but now we're just seeing a focus on it. And you're right, absolutely right. When Cade comes back, the focus still should be on Jaden Ivey doing this stuff because it takes pressure off. It takes pressure off of guys like Bojan even mm-hmm. or, or Burks. You know, they're they're not focal points of the defense if Jaden Ivey can play like this. So it, it can only help everybody on this roster, uh having him playing this way. Uh why why don't we hit on just one more trend, I guess, over this past week before touching on the trade that did get made. Um and, and that trade being Bagley Livers and two seconds for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala from the Wizards. Uh but just you know, YouTube user brings it up here. These past three games, they've been competitive. They win one against Washington. They put a good scare into the Rockets and the Timberwolves. A really, really good scare. Jaden Ivey hit, hitting that three uh, against Minnesota to pull them back within two. I believe late in the third, early in the fourth, forcing Chris Finch to call that timeout. Like that was a that was a big shot. That was a big moment. Obviously, it doesn't end how you want, but is, is anything that they're doing right now? Does it feel overextended to you? Or maybe this could just be the new standard, I ask you, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because I feel like nothing is a given with this. Like like we can't really like mm-hmm. guarantee it after how the season's gone. But I mean, it it does seem like, like we've seen a few competitive games in a row, like we're mentioning. Like it does seem like it could continue to happen. And in theory, once Kate is back, like, that should only help with that idea uh we're not talking about the trade yet but i do think the trade helps uh rotationally and roster wise in helping us stay in games and just like the ideal how we're making the most out of Jaden, ivy Asar, thompson some other guys on the roster and we also have the trade deadline in a few weeks so Maybe something else will happen that will bring some improvement to the roster as well. But overall, like, I I really, I do think that they can continue to stay in games. I know, but I think they play Milwaukee twice this weekend and early next week. So I, Mm -hmm. I think that'll be a good barometer. It's tough to beat the same team twice in a row. So hopefully the Pistons can at least stay competitive in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those Milwaukee games will be a good test for me just to see if this competitiveness is actually sustainable.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I kind of wonder if uh, if they'll have Kate back by then or, or not as well. You know, we're recording now on the 18th. I believe that means if my, my counting <laughs> skills are correct, this is day nine of that reevaluation time period. So, you know, maybe – Fingers crossed there's some news coming in quickly. Hopefully, He'll be positive. back when he's back. Um, but no, you know, you,
1: don't rush back, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, obviously. And and it's obviously a relief, right, that this was kind of a uh, – he just needs some rest, and it's going to heal on its own. There was nothing else that needed to be done. So uh, absolutely, you know, as much time as is needed. But the fan in me, you know, yeah. I, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Regardless, you you bring up uh, kind of how these pieces on the roster are starting to fit together. A little bit more, you know. We're we're kind of seeing the vision a little bit more. I, I did want to just bring this up quickly to you because, you know, yes, it's taken probably a bit too long for us to get here, but I do think Monty Williams is starting to figure out some of this roster. You know, you look at Jade Ivey, Jade Ivey's being much more prioritized. He's much more of a focal focal point on the offense. Uh, asar thompson you know yes he's coming off the bench but past week and a half he's been getting a lot more pick and roll reps both as ball handler and screener they've been using him as a cutter uh, off handoffs as well that's nice you know we we weren't seeing that as much early it's starting to kind of trickle back in um and then the lineups you know they they seem to be prioritizing more shooting regularly uh you're seeing a lot less of the three non-shooters in any lineup that we saw early on this season so you know you could critique it right we're we're here in mid-january and we're saying hey our new head coach just figured things out but i mean for the positive that that is it seems like we're figuring some things out
1: yeah uh, yeah 100 percent. i mean It's definitely taken Monty like a lot longer than anyone would want. And I know when Gores came out and spoke to the media, like one of the things he said was Monty's like 25 games in. So like none of the blame is on him. Like, yes, Monty could have made better decisions, but you're right. Like, I think he's now trying to like use things or use guys in different ways And especially like his comment about Ivy, how that's like the one thing he didn't try and now he's trying it like that just, I guess, gives me some reassurance that he is actually putting just thinking of really like any idea and like trying to use lineups and players in different ways to get the most out of them, whether it's playing different guys next to each other or where certain guys are on the floor. So, I I hope, like, I mean, we're halfway through season one, so you'd have to hope that it would only improve. And if this past week is any sample size, like, Mm -hmm. we can definitely say it has.
0: You know, we can critique how long uh, it it took all we want, but I say this because I was this player, so I know that there are more like me that exist. The one thing we don't know is what was going on in practice, right? So, like, you look early on in the season – and I don't think we mentioned it at the time, and, and we probably should have. But it's entirely possible that Killian Hayes was outplaying Jaden Ivey in practice. It's entirely possible that, you know, Asar Thompson is shooting 70% on catch-and-shoot shots in practice. There, there are things that we, we just don't know uh, behind the scenes. And I can tell you from experience, because, again, I was this guy. I played a lot better in practice than I ever did in the game so it it just kind of is what it is for for some people and it changes you know at different levels right that was more of a college problem to me than it ever was a high school issue um but i i have to imagine that it does show up a little bit in the nba too we don't know what's going on in practice i'm trying to be a little uh forgiving to Monty williams just taking a little bit to figure figure things out and yes youtube user practice we're talking about practice right
1: yeah no you're right i mean we don't we don't know what is happening behind the scenes like i mean i don't i don't think that's like a full excuse by any means or something but it, it could definitely be the case and now no. i think that yeah I, I think that we're seeing different things and IV being used in different ways like maybe maybe that is Monty just taking whatever whatever outside opinions or other ones in the organization he's getting and putting those into practice. And at least in this small window, it's, it's looking better at least, which is really all we can ask for, for a four and 36 team or whatever that record is right now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, quickly, let's hit on this trade here before diving in to some of the questions that we've gotten, both pre-submitted and then in our live audience as well. Uh, So the trade, again, Washington receives Marvin Bagley III, Isaiah Leverson two second-round picks from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, These were in the future, I believe not this upcoming draft. Uh, And then the Pistons got back Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. And we do need to note that Mike Muscala immediately played over James Wiseman uh, in that Timberwolves game, the first game that both Gallinari and Muscala were available to play. So uh, what were your thoughts on the trade? What were your thoughts on Muscala, who we got to see in some action uh, live the other night? Um, what do you got?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, first with Muscala, like, I, I loved what I saw from him. I feel like it's kind of like a sick thing to say as a basketball person that, like, I don't know, just Mike Muscala came in and like, I just love what I saw from him, but I, I thought it wasn't even like as much his production like I don't think he even scored but just like having that stretch big that can play on the perimeter is so big for this team it's what they needed um just having like an additional guy that can shoot the ball around your young players opens up so many things like uh Muscala being out there allowed them to play five out, which creates space for Jaden Ivey to drive, Asar Thompson to cut for the basket, cut to the basket. It really does so many things for this team. And we I mean I, I think he'll be a part of the rotation moving forward. Um and we'll see it what ends up with Galinari. He didn't play yesterday when he was available um i mean he's coming off that uh injury last season and he wasn't playing much in washington so i'm assuming he's just ramping up but overall the biggest thing with the trade is the cap space getting off of marvin bagley's 12 and a half million for next year um i the trade really isn't like final to me until i guess i see what they do with the cap space because Like, I didn't think Bagley's money was ever like a big deal. Like, I thought he was on a decent contract for a backup big. Um, I mean, you want him to be better defensively, but now that they have his money off the books for next year and can use that to go get someone in trade, do something in free agency or over the summer, I think think that's huge. But I really want to see like what they do with that money. Um, before I can really, I guess, justify this move. You don't want to attach draft assets to do it, but at least they didn't have to give up like a highly protected first or anything like that to move off badly.
0: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, This feels like a setup. It feels like they're lining up uh, all the pins so that they can... Knock you know a bigger fish down here either in the near future or in the off season, and you know from that perspective, I do think it makes a lot of sense, right? If we're purely looking forward, you go up and down this rotation, there's conservatively four rotation spots in a ten man rotation that you need to upgrade just outright by the start of next year to be competitive more or less, okay. So that's a lot for one offseason. That's a draft pick and then three free agents, which is possible. It's always possible. But that's a lot to ask uh, out of just one off season period. So, you know, if they could turn it around and get a, a you know, I guess a little bit of a head start on it here at the deadline, take some of this cap space, maybe you're sending up Boyan. maybe you're sending up Burke, something uh, just to get back a guy that can fill a role for next season, not really caring what happens the rest of the year, but fill a role for next season, right? And drop that number from four rotation guys to three. Suddenly it's a lot more manageable. So I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, you know, with with Bagley here, they just basically sent out two second round picks to get off of him. And they paid two second round picks in the trade to get him. You know, it's a net negative of four second round picks that are only getting more valuable. And Trey Lyles, who's a good NBA player. And Trey Lyles. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Who's still in a rotation out in Sacramento, a very good team. Trey Lyles is playing good basketball for them. Uh, And these second round picks are only getting more valuable as this new CBA kind of comes into play here in the next couple of years. So, you know, in, in that sense, it's definitely a net negative. But if we're just looking forwards, um, I think it makes sense what, what they're trying to do. And I'm kind of holding my grade on it until we see what the next move is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talked last week about, uh I, I think, whether we think they're going to make more than one trade or not. And I think now that that first domino fell, that was around the margin, it was like a a total cap space move Uh, like Muscala and Gallinari are on expiring. So it's just about seeing what happens. And I mean, we saw Pascal Siakam get, get moved yesterday um, or Wednesday now that we're recording this on Thursday. So I think it's going to be an interesting next two weeks. We have maybe like three weeks until the deadline. I would say I'm, fairly confident they're going to do at least one other move. Um, I don't know how big that move would be, but now that they have all this like space to play with um, and even like openings on the rotation, depending on if someone is interested in a Burks or on to go and help a contender, there's some options on the table. So I'm really interested to see if they do anything and what that would be over the next few weeks.
0: Yep. Absolutely. I am too. So let's jump into some of these questions. Uh, this one here is from ranks in the DPP comments. Uh, he asks with the report that Monte Morris is potentially back in about a week. How does that change the rotation dynamic and how often do you think he will share the court with Kate Cunningham?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Just cause we obviously haven't seen him yet. Uh, seen Monty Morris in a Pistons uniform so I I thought like going into the season he would have a fairly large role with the team now if he's coming back in the near future like I don't know if that's still the case if you want to run Ivy alongside Cade more or even keep Killian in there just to see what he does through the rest of the year or give Marcus Sasser more play time like I think the team does need a veteran presence and someone who will not turn the ball over. Um, Monte Morris doesn't turn the ball over really. So I think that will help the team from a point guard spot. I think he'll have a decent chunk of minutes. I'm just not really sure yet. Like how many of those will be alongside Kate or with the first unit overall depending on what they want to do between the cade IV dynamic.
0: My answer to this question is that you just take every single minute you're giving to Killian Hayes and give it to Monte Morris. My my question is, would you expect that same sort of thing? Or do you think there's going to be a role for both of them? Uh, What's your expectation on that?
1: i think the only reason you still give killian minutes is if you want to like let him prove that he should like still be around for longer than this season which i don't know if is is gonna happen anyway um but realistically like that's the most likely spot where minutes are going to come um it, like i think at this point you have to find some minutes for sasser you have to play kate and ivy together for some minutes so the most logical is what you said um playing giving monte morris killian's minutes um so i think once once monte morris is fully back like i think that is the most likely source that his minutes are gonna come from um and then i don't know maybe killian can play here here or there but i, I think i know we had some talk in the chat about whether killian's gonna be around or come back at all next year like i think he's gone as well i think the only reason that you give him any minutes really is if you want to give him the chance to like prove something for the last half of the season but i think most of us like really know what he is at this point
0: yeah he he has proved what he is uh and i hope they end up agreeing Uh, Next one This is from a guy, Camille, uh, Pistons Turkey. Do you think that Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart will still be on the Pistons roster after the trade deadline?
1: Yeah. So I think the, of these two, I'm fairly confident that Stu will still be around. Like I know teams are interested in him. I just don't know if we're going to get the return that he wants. Like, I feel like Stu is very valued, not only, for the team but in the locker room as well um so i think the one for me is like is killian I, if someone wants to take a flyer on him and um acquire him as basically like an expiring contract and be their restricted free agent that they can um resign or part ways with if they want to like i could see him heading out in a deal like that um but Based on the Bagley Livers trade that we made, like I think the front office is pretty pretty keen on just like freeing keeping that cap flexibility right now. So um I don't really see a point in moving off of Killian Hayes when his contract's up after this year. So he's the one for me of these two that I could see being dealt at the deadline. What what do you think, Wes?
0: yeah i mean of the two i would think they would be more comfortable moving on from killian hayes that said i don't think there's a team in the league that would give up anything of value for killian hayes i mean you're you're trading in this case for the uh restricted free agency rights right in order to get those he just qualified as a uh, a starter which means his qualifying offer is a little bit higher uh, than it otherwise would have been okay so functionally killian hayes in order to keep him and, and maintain that that uh, restricted free agency right you're going to end up needing to give him a qualifying offer that's more than you would otherwise want to pay him okay so you you combine that with then saying you now need to go trade for him to to get those rights knowing that the pistons are probably just going to otherwise not pick up the qualifying offer in the first place and i don't think that you have any team that's that's going to be willing to to do that and, and make that kind of move so unless they decide to waive killian hayes which you know i don't know why they would at this point um if he's like the fifth guard i, I think he'd be just fine so if, if Morris comes back, you move Hayes out of the rotation. I, I think he sticks it out the rest of the year and then just kind of is, is out um, next year and, and doesn't return. Now, Isaiah Stewart, you know, Blake, like he said, um, there are teams that are interested in him. I know Boston's been poking around. Uh, we, we got that report from James Edwards, and I think maybe Keith Smith mentioned it uh, as well. I'm just not sure what anyone could really put together. Uh, for for a trade for just Isaiah Stewart, right? If you could go and you you tell me that there's a a deal where you could bring back a legitimate all NBA guy uh, for for the Pistons and that they require Isaiah Stewart to be you know one one of the pieces, then sure you know I, I'd probably think about it. But otherwise, I, I think I'd rather just just keep I, Isaiah Stewart on the roster. Uh, so so jumping on to the next one, this one is from No Frown. Motown uh, says the Pistons took twelve and a half million dollars off the books next season by trading away Marvin Bagley. What does this cap space ultimately do for them? So, to me, I, I think this is what was so interesting about the trade uh, in in the first place, right? They got rid of not a lot of long term money in Marvin Bagley, but enough where. I believe their total uh, cap conservatively this summer is going to be about 55 to $60 million to spend. Now, now that's if they don't make a move right now, if they just go into the offseason. They, they try to um, keep a few guys and get rid I, – I think the max they could do – I just saw from, again, uh, a guy Keith Smith was $66 million. If they, don't, if they just get rid of Moya and Bogdanovich uh, in the offseason because he's functionally and expiring right now due to the way his contract's set up. So I think that they're setting up for a move now, uh, and that move being someone that has a a bigger contract a- attached to them. Maybe that's a guy like Zach Levine. I know they've been poking around. Uh, we all know that they've been poking around the, the Deontay Murray uh, sweepstakes as well murray doesn't excite me as much levine i think you could probably have for cheaper but regardless if you get a guy who's on a larger deal right now at this trade deadline you get that head start on the off season you are down to maybe 30 call it 30 million dollars to spend instead of the 60 that you potentially had before that's still a lot of money right that's still a lot of money they got to spend that cap space somewhere so my my bet you know hopefully my 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 bet is that this is the route they're going to take they're going to try to get that head start now it's going to be a bigger money guy and because of the way that they they did this deal here with with Marvin Bagley going out they're they're going to be able um to still have a lot of money to play with over the offseason and fill out the rest of the the roster um Blake what do you think about what moving Marvin Bagley's salary might mean for them now and moving into the off season.
1: I, I think really it is just about that whatever, whatever that next move is. Like I don't think it's necessarily going out and signing someone. We don't really know who's going to be available in free agency this off season, and it's not like a great class in general. So I do think it is going and getting someone in the trade market, whether that is in the next few weeks or this summer. Um, but it, it also just like puts us in the best cap situation of any team in the league. Like I think we have the most projected cap space out of anyone. Um, so it, it like, I'm, I think we're all tired of hearing of like the flexibility, like it's time to go do something and improve the roster with it. Um, so it it puts you not only in the position to maybe get one guy that's in a max contract range, but it puts you in a position to go and get like someone that's making a lot of money and then one or two impactful like real NBA rotation players around them. So Although it doesn't, like, like I didn't think Bagley's contract was horrible, but it just provides that much more leeway to go and do whatever it is and put your hat in the ring for whoever may become available.
0: Right, because cause the real advantage here is probably not in free agency. You know, I, I think everyone, we we all look collectively at the cap space that they have, and we say, oh, great, you know, they could go – send big money at pascal siakam if if they wanted to but the thing is you know there there are a few teams that are going to be able to send big money at pascal siakam and you need him to pick detroit that's going to be true for anyone that you want to throw big free agent contract uh a big free agent contract at so the the real advantage here is in the trade market when you're that far under the cap you can effectively like for example, if they wanted to, and, and we're gonna have a cap expert on here uh, next week, so a little, little surprise for you guys, we'll 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 drop that uh, and tease it a little bit early on in, in this upcoming week. But basically what they can do in the offseason is if you if Zach Levine's still on the bulls and he didn't get traded, you could send them a second round pick and just take back Zach Levine because you're so far under the cap. Okay, so you can just basically trade in and and absorb into that cap space. Whereas if you're closer to the cap or over the cap, now you have to worry about some salary matching. So now the same's even true if they go and they do a big money guy right now. Okay, let's say they go get Deontay Murray, he's got a larger deal, knocks down your your uh, available cap space in the offseason to maybe 30, 35 million dollars, whatever it is. Well, if someone's making $25 million and a team wants to salary dump them, you can just take that. Again, you know you don't have to match that salary. So it's a huge advantage in the trade market when you're trying to fill out this many rotation spots in a single offseason and with one trade deadline coming up in front of it. When you're trying to figure out, fill out this many rotation spots, having all of these little tools, I guess, in your cupboard to use to get the the ball moving and add, like you said, good NBA rotation players. I, I think it's incredibly important. So hopefully, you know, they're going to have to spend it. That's the thing. They have to spend that money. Yeah. It's got to come from somewhere. I think we're going to see it pretty quickly, honestly.
1: Yeah, you, you can't just do like Joe Harris deals anymore like that can't be how you move your or use your cap space it has to be for something that's going to help the roster
0: yep i totally agree so let's move on to the next one here this is from our guy youtube user always appreciate you putting in all the questions man uh he asks do you guys want the pistons to trade Boyan and or burks if it means that this team takes a step back on offense for the rest of the season
1: oof that that's a tough one. Um, it, like I would lean towards no right now. I get like it depends. It all depends what the return is. If there's something that you're getting like an interesting young player, or at, like I think last year uh, there there were reports that Troy's asking price for Bojan was like two first. So if someone dangles that in front of you, then then sure. Um, but. I think if you're sending them out and not really getting much production this year, like it, it'll only hurt our competitiveness. Like when we or when the team beat Washington, like Alec Burks went nuclear. Um, It always helps, like having a guy like Bojan who can score at will. So I, I think if they're able to add someone interesting that helps improve the roster overall this year while keeping those guys in house, I think that'll go a long way to trying to get a few more wins. Like, like no one's going to want to be the worst team in NBA history. So I think like that's something that we could at least play for. Um, so I give them up for the right price, but I, I think just trading them to Trade them and get what you can, like you might just want to keep those vets in-house.
0: I, I wouldn't trade them just to trade them. I wouldn't trade Boion for, for picks at this point. I'd want a guy back. And I think you know you you look at the the roster that they have, and you, you're kind of seeing it uh, over these past three, four or five games that the quickest way to get this team to win some games to be a little bit more competitive. There there are really two things strategically, okay? Build around Kate Cunningham and score as many points as possible. This is not a good defensive roster, all right? But you could be a team like the Pacers. The Pacers are just outscoring everybody and they're winning a decent amount of games. Now they're not going to be a, you know, a championship contender, but they're a good playoff team. And now with the addition of Pascal Siakam, maybe they'll be a little bit better on defense, but, you know, obviously we can't sleep on the fact that he's a 20, what, three, 24 points per game score for them. You know, he he's a real big boost on offense as well. So I, I think that's probably the the quickest route for this team to take. Try to build everything around Cade and score as many points as possible. So just on, on, like, on the concept of it, taking a big step back on offense when offense is the closest side of the ball they have to being – you know, good above league average at it'd be on offense team wise. I, I don't want to get rid of that. You know, I, I don't want to take that step backwards on that end to try to buoy a defensive group that I don't think one player fixes quite honestly. I, I think you need quite a few players, uh, to fix it. So Blake, do you have any more thoughts here?
1: Uh, No, no, I think you covered it. Uh, yeah. I think the main thing, like you said, is just not, not hurting this current roster as it is just because they, they need to get some wins, like uh, find a way to do it, find a way to get guys who are going to make your young players better, uh, good voices in the locker room and do things on the floor to Help them, help their game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, trade them if you're getting something decent back in return. But I I know, like both Bojan or Burks would help a contender this season, and a lot of them would probably love to have them. Um, But that doesn't mean the Pistons should just trade them for a second round pick or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, agreed. All right, so. Uh, next one here from coffee I got coffee in the dbb comments and uh, in the live chat i saw him pop in earlier with a comment about uh mike muscala's i think a tattoo so appreciate you man uh he asks do you think that monty williams is on the same page as the front office which is a difficult question so i'll let you go first
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like you said i i guess like we don't truly know but uh, from what Monty said about Jaden Ivey and they had that meeting where he uh it was brought up that Monty needs to play Jaden on the ball before. Like, I mean, maybe they're not, honestly. Um, and maybe that was an eye-opening thing for Monty Williams. Um I I mean, I think there is a degree of Monty has to like figure out how To make this work with the players that are on the roster um like isaiah livers was included in the bagley trade he hasn't been productive maybe the front office lost faith in him and that's why he was the one that was included in that trade um which would which would make sense um but overall like maybe like it's tough because I'm totally just assuming things here. Like I'm sure things happen in his first half of a season that maybe he thought was going well. Maybe he thought he was on the same page with the front office, but then they had that meeting and they weren't and now they're changing it. So it's tough to say, but hopefully this organizational meeting, hopefully those are happening more. Hopefully they're talking about those things. So everyone is just making the most out of this roster and helping these young guys develop in this wash season.
0: And, and obviously we're all just taking guesses at this, right? I mean, nobody knows, no one's got any insider information. I do think it's really important to kind of see that this is two-sided, right? It, it's not just one-sided. We, we've been talking about this for a while while, right you look at this roster and you try to put together a group that is good at defense right as a unit the five-man unit that can defend the other team five-man unit well they're not going to shoot and they're not going to be good at scoring the basketball and you can flip that around too right if you want to put together a unit that's pretty good at scoring pretty good at shooting well none of them are are really good defenders so as easy Of an out as it would be to, to just say, you know, Monty Williams, he's doesn't know how to use the roster. He's not on the same page as the front office. Like there, there's a lot of roster building issues that have also gone on here, right? You know, you, if, if Monty Williams played this rotation perfectly from the start of the year, how many more wins do we think that they have given, given the injuries that they did? You know, are we talking four, five? We're not saying it's not twenty. You know, they're not gonna be in the play-in. They're still gonna be one of the worst teams in the league. And that's just because of how this roster was constructed. Uh, and and you know, maybe the the vision, you know, maybe the blinders were on whatever you want to say from a front office perspective, they they calculated wrong on what it was gonna take this season to to take the step they wanted to take. So you know, there. I, I just want to point out that there are two sides to it, right? You know, maybe Monty might not be on the same page with the front office, but if that's true, then the front office is definitely not on the same page as, as Monty is either. And it's both of their faults, if that's true. And we we don't know that it is, but if that's true, it's a, it's a two-sided coin.
1: 100%. And I I hope like I thought the I guess transparency that Monty disclosed they had this meeting was cool. So I don't know if they will ever be in like a situation to talk about that stuff more, but I, I I hope they're I hope they're talking especially when things are going the way that they are and the way that they
0: have been. Yeah. No, I I agree. And you know, like you said those those organizational meetings they they might be a good thing right they don't have to be bad um all right so this is moving on to our next question this is from harry uh in the youtube chat as would you guys uh take on andrew wiggins from the warriors with his you know bad year so far and the big contract that they have that he has if they included a pick uh would that even be possible
1: yeah and i i think it's possible i mean it it depends, like, if we're trading for him at the deadline, I'm sure Golden State would want, like, Bojan or Burks back, honestly, like, someone that can help them turn it around this year. Um, Wiggins, his salary is in, like, the 25-a-year range. So, like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it also doesn't take all your cap space depending on if you – retain Bo, Bojan next year and like what you decide to do so maybe it takes you out of the running of guys who make even more money um but I would do it like I think he's a wing that could help this team he's definitely had a bad year so the thought is maybe he could turn that around in a new situation um and I mean especially if they include a pick like Draft assets are always good to accumulate, especially after we just sent a couple out. So I I would, I would do it. I, I think it's a decent player that you can bring in and see um, if he helps this team. Just the adverse to that is what he just signed an extension last year. So you're going to be tied to him for a while. And if it doesn't work out, then you're going to have to figure out a way to get off his money eventually which won't be easy
0: yeah i would i would think about it you're right you know i do think he's a wing that would help this team he's big he can kind of shoot you know obviously he's been cold this year but he's got a history of being a an okay to, to good shooter uh and he is a good defender he he is a good wing defender so you know i would think about it i don't know if his contract is large enough that they would need a pick to offload it especially with the way that the cap is going to start jumping over these next couple of years um you know you you said he's at 25 that's five more than Boyan. Boyan is on honestly a pretty cheap deal uh, especially moving into the next two years five million more than that you know i mean i know he's not playing well but At some point, that's going to be darn close to the mid-level exception, you know the way that thing keeps rising up too. So, you know, I I just don't know if they're really going to offload a pick um, just to get off his deal. And I don't think at this stage that Bojan's really worth giving a pick up for. Um, So I'm I'm just I'm not sure the fits there um, team wise for for that that kind of thing to happen.
1: Yeah, and the uh, another issue with Wiggins' contract is um, he has a player option, and I believe it's twenty six, twenty seven, which is thirty million dollars. So it's an increasing salary. So if things like really don't go well once he's in house and he has that player option in a few years, like that's going to be really hard a hard pill to swallow, or like a hard thing for to try and get another team to take on.
0: All right, we just got this uh, from Ain't Nothing Better Than Being the Big Cheese. Uh, It's a trade proposal here about Wiggins, and it looks like a three-team deal. So I'm just going to read it off. We'll we'll give our thoughts on it. Uh, If there were a three-way trade that sent Andrew Wiggins and Killian Hayes to Toronto, Gary Trent Jr. to Detroit, and Alec Burks and Dennis Schroeder to the Warriors, would you do it? Uh, and i guess also do you think that all the teams w- would do it
1: yeah i'm i'm trying to look at i mean from a pistons perspective i'm i'm quickly looking up uh gary trent junior's contract on the side so he is an expiring so he wouldn't i mean unless he wants to stay here he wouldn't be around for more than this season um i, I mean i think gary trent would be a great Fit in Detroit just from like the shooting that he brings but like sending out Alec Burks like I, I don't know if we're really like gaining much especially just the thing for me is like he'll he could walk in the summer and that would be that if he was even signed and on like a fair deal through next season I would say yeah but um like at the deadline here I don't
0: know. I think from a Pistons perspective that it's, I mean, it's kind of lateral, right? Like you said, Gary Trenton expiring, but he is better uh, than than Alec Burks is. So you know, I, I get it from from that perspective from a Pistons end. I don't know specifically Toronto. I, I feel like Toronto might be the holdup here. Yeah. they are kind of full of wings and not full of good guards. Uh, kind of just a an issue they've got with with the roster that they've put together. So I'm not sure they would really be comfortable giving up Gary Trent Jr. And if they do, I doubt they'd want to get a guy like Andrew Wiggins back. You know, I I bet they'd want a guard back uh, instead of that wing there. And, you know, killing Hayes, notwithstanding, he's probably not getting minutes there in Toronto. So, I feel like they probably say no. I think Detroit thinks about it. And the Warriors probably think about it just because of how poorly Wiggins has been playing. Though he did have a pretty good game uh, just a few nights ago, Andrew Wiggins. So maybe he's turning a corner uh, for them and they don't they won't want to move him. But uh, all right, let's move on to what should be our last question here. Um, this is from Fresh Off the Stove asks what position do you think the pistons need most so looking at this roster uh could be at the trade deadline could be in the offseason where where do you think they need to be targeting
1: um i'm going to it's not really like answering the question because i'm going to throw out two things but uh wing wing defenders who can who can shoot like i we really need to address the wing like someone that fits well um playing alongside Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, if uh, that pairing is going to see the floor together for most of the time. And the other thing is like just defensive bigs and ideally one who can shoot the ball at least a little bit, like totally not be a non shooter out on the floor. Um, I, I think we've seen the issue with having like Wiseman and Bagley as your backup bigs and the just like runs that that bench unit gives up. Um, so I think you just really need to prioritize getting a stretch forward or stretch big, ideally that can shoot a little bit, that can mainly defend, um, just so who that bench front court is not a total liability than it has been. Mike Muscala helps with, with shooting at, And hopefully he can play a little bit of defense. But again, he's on expiring. So maybe he'll be around for next season. They'll sign him to a new deal. But um, if you're thinking of someone more long term, I think that's who you could hunt in the free agency market or the trade market.
0: I would would echo the same two spots. I, I think they need a wing. I mean, you look at what Kevin Knox has done for this team, and he's providing... A shooting wing who's athletic and can play a little bit of defense and you know finish around the rim, and he's providing that at like a D plus C minus level. You know, imagine if they could find a guy that's a legitimate NBA starter that does those things, right? I mean, that would be such a a, a boost for this team. Uh, and then a defensive big man other than Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I like Isaiah Stewart. I really like him as the third big off the bench, but they need another guy who can, you know, block some shots because Jalen Duran isn't going to do that. So uh, those would be my two uh, as well. We got one more last second question here. This is from ain't nothing better than the big cheese again asks, and we're going to answer this and then get out, uh, let everyone go. But how serious are the miles bridges uh, rumors he said honestly, he would pass. But James Edwards III, shout out James Edwards III, uh, has mentioned him a couple times by name.
1: Uh, I don't know how serious the rumors are. Honestly, I wouldn't like. I wouldn't want to entertain it. Honestly, like, yeah, the basketball stuff is good, but just yeah, the off the court stuff. Not to get too into it, is just like too much to look past for me. Um, so. I hope they stay away. And honestly, I I don't know if, if how serious the team is like looked at that or, or probed at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, neither of us have any insider uh, info, so no idea how serious the the interest and in, in the rumored interest would be. But you know, just on like a a basketball front, to me, I would pass. He can score the ball very well. He's very athletic. He can finish around the rim. Uh so real good play finisher in that way. He's an okay shooter. You know, I don't think he's an incredible shooter by any means. At least not at a, at a high volume. But he is not a good defender. Uh at least not not in my opinion at, at the NBA level. He's he's not been great on the wing. He's kind of a tweener between a a bigger body four, uh sorry, a bigger body three and a a smaller four. Doesn't guard either all that well uh at least at this point as far as I'm concerned. So that that defense is what what holds me back. I think, you know, like we just said, right? They need 3 and D wings who are athletic. So, he's a 3. He can shoot the 3 and he's athletic. But he does not play defense. So, I would I would just pass on it um right now. I mean, he he's obviously a very good basketball player, right? And if you could if you can, you know, surround things around him to cover up for that defense, it, it would be better. It'd be more interesting. But the Pistons just don't have that apparatus to do so uh, right now. So I would pass. And yeah, uh, Harry brings up Royce O'Neal. Yes, actually, I would rather sign Royce O'Neill for the rather cheap contract he's going to get than pay Miles Bridges bigger money to be a worse defender and just about the same level of shooter. Um, I would just prioritize that wing defense um, along with the shooting, assuming the shooting. I do not want more defenders that can't shoot. So we're assuming that the guys can shoot. I would prioritize the defense over everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. You you have to pay Bridges likely. And yeah, Royce O'Neal is on a good contract and addresses like both aspects that the team needs. So. We are going to wrap it up there. Special thank you to everyone who joined today, whether you're joining us live on YouTube or on Twitter um, or listening to us um, on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Special thank you also to Sean Corp, the managing editor of Detroit Bad Boys for supporting the show. Again, shout out to you guys for all the great questions and talking points tonight. We'll catch you next week, whether on your commute or live with us here on YouTube or Twitter. We can't wait to talk more Detroit Hoops with you all.